Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and I am just really tickled to have Nancy Harms in the studio this morning. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Nancy, i got to get the right mic on. Here we go. Nancy oh. is a, <laughs> uh, uh, just a delightful singer from Minnesota, but now uh, is based out of New York and travels all about and, and sings wonderful things. And uh, you've got a show coming up. Saturday at Saturday, Crooners. Yes. <laughs> Tell us what's going on. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be back at uh, Crooners, and it's um, a 7.30 show called Ellington at Night, which was released how many years ago now? 15. <laughs> no, the show? 2015. Oh, 2015. Oh, tw- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's really wrong. 20, <laughs> 2015. Uh, and it's been a long time since we performed it there, so we're excited to bring it back. It's a journey through nighttime with the vehicle of these beautiful Ellington tunes, which, you know, he covers all sorts of things, the depths of human emotion, but also just kind of light, coy, flirty songs as well. So it's it's quite a little journey. Nice. What are some of your personal favorite Ellington tunes, whether they're on that record or not? I'm curious. Oh... You know, I would say I would say Mood Indigo. That's and that was kind of what brought me into this project too, because that's on the uh, previous okay. album, Dreams in Apartments, mm-hmm. and it was, and it was just kind of guiding me into um, him as a person too, because he has um, what is that condition called? Synesthesia, and as right. he's he's just such an interesting man. You know, he's he's so sophisticated, and but yet has this kind of raw flirtiness, and he also has this condition, synesthesia, where he um, sees color when he hears sounds. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's so it starts to get really interesting thinking about what he's named tunes and what that means about the music, like yes. and what he saw. So with mood indigo, right, like describing the blues as indigo, what does that start to mean? You know, yeah. it gets really juicy. I think. Sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, so you've released uh, one of one of the things I appreciate about you is all the different kinds of albums you're on. So, you know, we were talking just a moment ago about double bass, double voice, which is a vocal duo and a bassist. Can you tell me a little bit about how that project came about? Yeah, I had a, a gig at a, the bar next door in New York and his um, the guy who was pitching the gig or hiring us was asking us to have only three people on the stage. It's a small little, you know, kind of basement yeah. New York club. And um, he said, three people on the stage and what's your creative take on it? And I thought, well, I have this friend, Emily, who's up for anything, Emily Braden. And I thought I asked her, she's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's see what happens. And, you know, it was kind of, it was a lot to put together for this little gig in the village, but um, we decided to give it a shot and people responded so beautifully to it. It was so fun because Emily is has such a different flavor to her voice and her style than I do. But we were both surprised how well we blended when we did because we were both from a bit of a choral tradition too. So our ears are really open to listening. So it was fun to see these two things, which I think of as sort of like the sun and the moon. She's kind of got this laser voice and mine's kind of got this more gruff around, like hazy edge around it, you know, more nighttime sounding voice Mm -hmm. and putting them together and somehow we could blend. And it's just really fun to play too. There was a lot of freedom because we all trusted each other and enjoyed it. Tell me more about coming from the choral tradition, which you just mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I went to Concordia in Moorhead, ah. uh, Minnesota. I, I, I wasn't really exposed to jazz growing up. I I heard Harry Connick Jr. on TV, and I, I became obsessed with him as a person and his his swing and charisma and everything, so I bought a bunch of albums. Nice. Um, but yeah, then I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly, and I had a great, uh, 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 what do you call that when they take you around the campus. I really loved the introduction to Concordia and it was a music school and I knew Mm -hmm. music was a big part. So I gave that a shot and, uh, 
I, I, I loved it, though. It was a beautiful art music experience, though. Like, I'm not a fantastic classical singer, but I really had a beautiful experience there with Dr. Clausen. Amazing. Nice. Yeah. So when did the transition to jazz happen then? Well, so I became a music teacher, an elementary music teacher, after college. And um, and while I have to back up a little bit, while I was in college, there was a bit of a jazz program, just a little one. Mm-hmm. And I asked to sing along with the with the band for a couple tunes because of my Harry Connick Jr. sort of exposure. Nice. Um, I was like, well, maybe I'll give that a shot. You know, it's just this little thing. And um, so then when I was teaching again, I was in Malacca, which is just about an hour north. So it was approachable to the cities. Right. And uh, some guys that I knew from college were doing some coffee shop gigs and they, they had reached out to me. And, and to be honest, too, jazz was sort of on my mind. I'm like, that would be really fun to do. Mm-hmm. And at that point in my life, I kind of dreamed that maybe when I'm 50 or something, I'll get my first jazz club gig. You know, I had set really <laughs> the, wrong, the wrong goals because I just didn't know. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was kind of calling me and uh, my learning curve was a lot faster, especially too, because I had uh, Arnie Fogel, I like to call him the University of Arnie Fogel, because I had this sort of one-on-one, he would come out to shows and give me feedback, you know, when I first started out of, you know, moved out of the coffee shops into clubs. Cool. And uh, he would come and give me feedback, and that's a great way for me to learn from that sure. hands-on experience. So, sure. yeah. We were talking a little bit, I did not tell you I was going to talk to you about this on the air, but we were talking a little <laughs> bit earlier about hearing yourself, because of course you're sitting here hearing yourself sing the tune we just played yeah. of you, and uh, you know uh, that's something in radio you got to get used to hearing your own voice all the time, but that's a totally different ballgame than hearing yourself sing, in my opinion. So mm. talk to me a little bit about uh, you know the difference between... <laughs> Uh, just, just what that experience is like for you. Uh, it's, it's just when, I don't know, sometimes when it gets all polished up, I can't, I can't hear it. I have to sort of rely on other people or kind of step away from it and come back to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's really hard to be subjective about yourself. I think, um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And then sometimes it's just like, I don't get it. You know, like, <laughs> if I'm just being honest, you know, but I think, yeah. I think a lot of us go through that. The first time you ever hear, like, you know, when we used to make <laughs> mix yeah. tapes or whatever, and you'd, for your friend and you'd put a little thing in between there talking yeah. to them and you listen, you're like, what? Who is that I person? sound like that. Yeah, like sure. hum, your own human voice is such mm-hmm. a, it's such a bizarre thing because it does resonate differently inside your head than it comes across right. outside of it, I guess. Yeah, and that's the thing. As a trumpet player, I heard myself play trumpet lots when I was younger. I don't play much anymore. But, uh, you know, to me, that's a whole different thing than hearing my voice. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. hearing my trumpet, I kind of know what to expect. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. That's why it's nice to be able to run stuff by other people, because especially too after you've you dissect stuff, you Mm -hmm. dissect it when it's going into recording. Right. And you listen how many times I I totally lose it. And that's when I say, okay, Arnie, is this still good? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Nancy, your show is Saturday night. uh, Doors at six. Show at seven thirty. Nancy Harms, Ellington at night at Crooner's Supper Club. What a pleasure it's been to have you in. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. And we, thanks yep. for uh, yeah waking us up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. Yeah. I try to wake myself up too. Uh, <laughs> right. We'll be hearing another track from uh, Nancy Harms here in just a couple of moments. Thanks again, Nancy. Thank you.